0: Father, we worship you. We thank you. Thank you that we can call you, Father. Thank you that uh, you are a God, you are a Father who hears, who listens, who sees, who knows. And in every situation, we just pray like we and pray every week God, that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done. God. God, that you would get the glory that you alone deserve. Father, I pray that you would bring peace to those who are arrested those who are uh, just going through life's battles. God, that you bring your peace that surpasses all understanding. God, that your, your grace would just be so sufficient for them as they walk through different trials in this life. God, we pray for West Michigan. We pray for this area. We pray and ask that, that your gospel would go forth in great power, that hearts that are searching, hearts that are longing, hearts that are, are just going from one thing to the next looking to be fulfilled, that they would find their ultimate fulfillment in you. We know that in order that, for that to happen, that your gospel needs to be proclaimed. And so, even right now, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would would you empower us, and would you give us a boldness to speak proudly of the hope that we have in Jesus? We thank you. We thank you that your grace is, is more than enough. Your grace is so abounding. Thank you that there is no sin that your grace can't. Thank you that your grace, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. And so we praise you. We praise you for the gift of salvation that we have through your son, Jesus. We're asking, Holy Spirit, now that you would exalt and lift up and reveal Jesus to us this morning. That you would lead my words, that you would lead our thoughts, that you lead this entire time. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. We want to become more like you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning we wrap up and actually continue and wrap up uh, our series on the armor of God and putting on the, the full armor of God. And uh, last week, Mike Gruppen shared about the helmet of salvation. And uh, let's just say Mike's football team needed a, a better helmet yesterday. Um, I think... I think that is just God saying, yeah, don't use that helmet in a sermon illustration. I'll humble you, they are steep fans. Um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so... Uh, we're, gonna, we're going to wrap this up by talking about the sword of the spirit and what we've been wanting to do every uh, week is just uh, hear Ephesians 6:10 through 20 in a different translation and I've had someone different read uh, every week and so Eric Horton's going to come up and read and he's going to read out of the amplified version and so if you know anything about the amplified version we might be here all morning uh, reading the amplified <laughs> version because when someone starts reading out the amplified you're like whoa this is going to take a little while and you will understand uh, what I mean when we read. Ephesians 6 but it's well worth it so Eric go ahead and you're good okay good morning everyone
1: all right it says in conclusion be strong in the Lord draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him and in the power of his boundless might put on the full armor of God for his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly supernatural places. Therefore, Put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands, so stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. So stand firm and hold your ground, having tightened the wide band of truth, personal integrity, moral courage around your waist and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, an upright heart, and having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. Above all, lift up the protective shield of faith, which with you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And with all prayer and petition, pray with specific requests at all times, on every occasion and in every season, in the Spirit, with this in view, stay alert with all perseverance and and petition, interceding in prayer for all God's people. And pray for me, that words may be given to me when I open my mouth, To proclaim boldly the mystery of the good news of salvation for which I am an ambassador in chains. And pray that in proclaiming it, I might speak boldly and courageously as I should. Let's pray for a minute. Father God, we come before you. And Dave asked me if something was on my heart to speak to you all. And what's on my heart is to remind you who you are this morning. That God loves everyone in here. And that we are God's children. We are his sons and daughters. Lord, we belong to you. And as we've been studying in men's Bible study, the full armor of God is putting on our identity. Right? There's so many voices in the world, Lord, telling us that we are the things that we have. Or that we are what others say about us. Or we are what we do. None of those things are true. All of those things exalt self. And Jesus, you tell us to deny ourselves. And to (coughs) take up the cross and to follow you. And you tell us to not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. You tell us that faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. And so, the devil's schemes, Lord, are always the same, and they're always, did God really say? And it's always asking us to question what God says and who we are. And so, as Dave speaks this morning about your word and the sword of the Spirit, Lord, I pray that you would give each of us a hunger for your word. It's under attack in the culture we live in, in the world that we live in. And so, Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts this morning, that you would grow us in the grace and knowledge of who we are in Jesus, and that you would exalt your son this morning and teach us who we are. We pray that in Jesus' great name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you right? I love reading that entire section of scripture Over and over again Because I think it's important that we Especially here in America In the western culture that we live in Remind ourselves of the reality That we are in a spiritual battle Every single day I, I've shared this before And some of my friends who have lived overseas They, they say that, that um, Us in the west Look at the world And believe that it's a, a Physical world that we live in with a, a spiritual side. But those who have lived overseas, they're like, no, you know, all around the world they have a, a different sense. And the sense is that this is a spiritual world with a physical side. And I have come to believe that they are probably more right than us. We live in a spiritual world and, and we see physically, we see chairs and carpet and all of this stuff, but, but we live in a spiritual world, and, and we are in the midst of a spiritual battle. Now, as far as Jesus, we know that this, this battle that is raging uh, isn't like the, the, the outcome isn't uh, in doubt. We know the outcome. We know that victory has been won. We know that Jesus is victorious, and he, he was victorious on the cross. And in fact, in Colossians 2, it says that, that Jesus disarmed the rulers and authorities of this world, putting them to public shame through his death on the cross. And so we know that, that victory is won. We don't have to worry about the outcome. But in between, there is this battle. And the reason there is this battle, because in Revelation 12, it says that the enemy has been thrown down, and he, know, he, he knows that his time is short, and so he goes around seeking someone to devour, accusing, attacking, and his number one thing is to, to get us to believe lies and to deceive us. And pull us away from the truth done in God's word and in the person of Jesus Christ. And so I think just reading Ephesians 6, 10 through 20 has been powerful just over the last couple weeks to remind ourselves of the reality that we find ourselves in. And that we are in the midst of a spiritual battle. And because we're in a spiritual battle, we have to be prepared. Every single day, taking on the armor of God. Putting on the full armor. Not just one little piece here or there, but putting on the full armor. But then if you read that passage, the thing that has popped out to me all throughout is that we are putting on his armor, not our armor, not our little pieces. We are putting on, frankly, we're putting on Jesus. Every single day, we're putting on his righteousness, his salvation. <clears throat> our faith is in him. And so every day, we're on, we're to put on the full armor of God. Now, the picture that I had of this is like, how do, you, how do we go about this? How do we live this way? And I've been reading through Nehemiah, and there's a picture that I want us to have in our minds of what it looks like to live the Christian life, and I think it comes from Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, if you know the story of Nehemiah, Nehemiah is uh, a man who was deeply grieved by the condition of his city. And he was uh, in captivity, and he looked and he heard the reports of Jerusalem, and, and the walls had been broken down, and so it broke his heart. He's like, I want to rebuild this city. And so he prayed and he cried out and, and he, to God. And he also talked to the king and he said, Can I go back and can I rebuild the walls and, and, and get people together and do this? And sure enough, the king said, Yeah, go ahead and go rebuild the city. And so him and a group of people start rebuilding. And as soon as they start rebuilding, there's opposition. There's a couple guys that uh, try to uh, confuse the situation, try to attack him. And in Nehemiah 4, we get this picture. Of how they go about rebuilding the wall. And I think it is just absolutely. Uh, applicable for us today. It says this in verse 15 of Nehemiah 4. It says when our enemies. Heard that it was known to us. Their plan and that God had frustrated their plan. We all returned to the wall. Each to his work. From that day on. Half of my servants worked on construction. And half held the spears. Shields, bows and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah, who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped at his side while he built. The man who sounded the trumpet was beside him. Verse 17 says, those who carried the burdens were loaded each day, or... Loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. I mean, that's the picture that, that I want us to have in our minds today as we talk about uh, the Word of God and the Sword of the Spirit. Because this picture is, on one hand, they're building the wall. On one hand, they're constructing the wall. And they're, they're busy at work. And I think in our lives, like on one hand, we're building our lives and we're going about our business. We're taking care of our families. We're we're building relationships with people. We're working hard. We're we're doing whatever. Whatever you have going on in your life, you are building. You are building with 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 all your might. But I think the other picture is one that we often forget because it says they were building with one hand, and on the other hand, I'll talk more about this. They had a sword. And I think to me, like this is the picture of the Christian life. This is a picture of what it looks like for you and I to live. Our lives every single day. Be building with one hand, but also knowing that the attacks are going to come. That there's going to be lies thrown our way. That there are going to be you know, confusion set our way. That there's going to be uh, things that are coming to distract us. And so every day, we're not just to go about our day and do our thing. We're going to go about our day, but then also have the sword of the Spirit in our hand, the Word of God. Because we know the attacks are coming. And so Paul ends this conversation, this this, uh, section on the the armor of God, and he says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, this last thing that he talked about is different than, than, than other items that he mentions. Because he, first of all, tells us exactly what the sword of the spirit is. He says the sword of the spirit is the word of God. But then also, this was different than the other elements of the armor of God. Because this is an offensive weapon. And when we put on the armor of God, all of those other pieces are defensive in nature. But the last one he says, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Because for you and I to live our lives following Jesus, it's gonna mean sometimes we're gonna have to go on the attack. As the lies are being thrown our way, as different things come our way, we are to go on the attack, but our weapon is not the weapons of this world. Our weapon is the word of God. And I don't know if you ever thought about that, but like the weapon, the Bible that you have, the word of God is a weapon. Now Paul would have been looking at a Roman soldier, and the Roman soldier had a variety of weapons at his disposal, and there's just a, a picture of a variety of the weapons that they had, but the weapon that Paul was talking about was a small little dagger, it's the one in the middle, and it's a small little dagger, double-sided, this one is not double-sided. This is just a single-sided. This was given to me by a friend of mine from India. But it was small like this, about 6, inches to, six to 18 inches. And it was double-sided. It was sharp. And it was used for up-close, hand-to-hand combat. And so anytime that the enemy was, was up-close, face-to-face, they would use, they'd pull out their little dagger sword and go at it. And here's one that they found uh, from years ago, an actual uh, picture of one. And so a soldier had this on their side at all times. But when the enemy came close, they took it out, and they engaged in hand-to-hand combat. And so Paul says, our weapon, the weapon that we are to go around with every single day, is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I just think about it, like, I want us to stop and really realize that the thing that we have in our hands or on our phones, this is a weapon. Now, you might be looking at it and being like, okay, it's just a a bunch of pages bound together with some leather. You know, how can this be a weapon? Well, Hebrews 4 says, The Word of God is living, is active, sharper than any double edged sword, piercing and dividing to the soul and the spirit, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. To me, that sounds like a weapon. I mean, from my experience, no other book, no other. Um, Yeah, another book, kids, when you read it Can pierce to your soul And you read a verse and and things pop off the page And you're like, whoa, that is For me, that is either assuring me Of God's great love for me Or it's convicting me of something That I need to change in my life You know, I think of those uh, deer hunters That went out this week or the last month And you know, a buddy of mine shot a deer this past Monday and he shot me a picture and it showed him gutting the deer and just opening the deer up. And I'm like, that to me is a picture of Hebrews 4. A picture of the word of God that, that, that gets in that's sharper than any double-edged sword and gets into our very inner being and shows us truth and re- reveals Jesus to us. And why is it like that? Why is it able to do that? Because 2 Timothy 3.16 says this is God read. Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, for correcting, for training us in righteousness so that we can be fully mature. And so you look at this book, you look at the Word of God, and as Paul talks about it, this is our weapon. And you can tell how powerful something is by the way people respond to it. All throughout history, there's been two really responses to the Word of God. People have wanted to destroy the Word. To, get, to, to do away with it. you reminded of a, a man named William Tyndale who translated scripture into to English, wanted to get scripture into the hands of ordinary people. And you'd think like, wow, he wouldn't face much opposition from doing that. Like, that makes sense. Just get scripture into the hands of ordinary people. He lost his life doing it. I think like all over history, all throughout history, people have tried to destroy the word of God. But also there have been people who utmost Like have a desire for the word of God In countries where they're closed To Christianity where Christianity is illegal People actually smuggle Bibles in to get them to followers of Jesus so that they can feed on the word And I've had the opportunity as well To sit with people as they're ending Their life as they're close to the end Of this life before they go and they meet Jesus face to face And over and over again Wonderful saints in the Lord I've said, oh, will you just read me scripture? That just shows the power of this. The power of the word of God. And I wonder because we have so much access to the, to the word of God. It's on your phones. You, you know, I have multiple copies of, of scriptures. I wonder because we have so much access to it, we've taken it for granted. And we don't see it as the powerful weapon that it actually is. But turn to Matthew 4. Because I want to show us and, and look at how Jesus handled the word. Jesus, when he was tempted, I think he shows us how we are to yield our weapons, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Matthew 4, starting at verse 1, says this, Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the son of God... Lest you strike your foot against a stone Jesus said to him Again it is written You shall not put the Lord your God to the test Again the devil took him to a very high mountain And showed him all the kingdoms of the world In their glory And he said to him All these I will give to you If you will fall down and fall. <laughs> Then Jesus said to him Be gone Satan For it is written You shall worship the Lord your God And him only shall you serve Then the devil left him And behold, angels came and were ministering to him. It's interesting, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, into the desert. And there, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, the devil comes out to tempt him. And what I find is that it's interesting is we think, like, Jesus was hungry. Scripture says that he was hungry. But he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. But but really, he was feasting on communion with his Father. And so when the devil came out to tempt him, Yes, he was physically weak, but spiritually he was strong. And so the devil comes out and he attacks. And and the thing that the devil wants to do, and we see this in how he interacts with Jesus, we see it how he interacts with us, is that the the devil wants to raise doubt in our lives. Look at what what he said over and over and over again. The devil says, if you are the son of God. I mean, that goes like back to Genesis 3 when, when the devil tempted Adam and Eve. And he said this, did God really say? Like, this is the new version of that. Like, if you're the son of God, prove it. Here's the interesting thing, though. Just before this section, in Matthew 3, 17, Jesus was baptized. And it says, a dove came down resting on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, God said this, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. The devil always attacks The very words that God speaks And so Jesus was told That he's the son of God With whom I'm well pleased And right the next thing that happens Is the devil comes and says If you're the son of God prove it If you're the son of God Why don't you prove it by your actions And the truth is our actions don't prove That we're a son or daughter of God We are a son or daughter of God Because of what he says And he he says we are The devil comes also when he comes to deceive. And so over and over again, he quotes scripture. And if you think about the devil, like he knows scripture in and out, but what he does here is he omits some things. He quotes from Psalm 91. And he says, uh, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. So he says like, hey, you're gonna command your angels concerning you. What he missed out, and he doesn't quote the next verse, he missed out the fact that, that God's gonna going st- uh, stomp on his head. And so the enemy likes to quote scripture, but he likes to twist and deceive scripture. But ultimately, the enemy comes to destroy. And so in this interaction between the devil and Jesus, we see that he goes after three areas that we struggle with in our lives. He goes after Jesus' appetite. You're hungry. Why don't you turn these rocks into bread? Why don't you provide for yourself? And there are so many things in life that we look to to provide for ourselves, things to satisfy our appetite. And Jesus says, No, I'm going to, you know, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the Father's mouth. And then the enemy says, You know what? If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here and let everybody see the angels come and rescue you. you look to the, the, the affirmation of others. And then finally he appeals to just his ambition and just wanting to be worshiped. And he says, you know what? I'll give you everything if you can worship me. And Jesus says, no, worship the Lord your God alone. And so the devil comes and tempts Jesus. Tempts him when he is isolated, when he is alone in the desert by himself. And this interaction, though, between Jesus and the, and the devil is so different than what we would expect. Because here is this ultimate clash, good versus evil, the son of God versus the devil. You would think that, okay, there would be, you know, big swords and clashes and shots. But how is the devil defeated? In this situation, over and over again, Jesus says one thing. It is written. The truth. The truth found in God's word. The truth that we see in here shuts up the devil, silences the accuser, and he walks away. It's very different than Genesis 3, where Adam and Eve gave in to the deception of the devil, and they end up walking away. Here, Jesus stands, and he does what the the first Adam couldn't do. He stands, and he resists the temptation, and he says, no, it is written. I'm not going to fall for this, and the devil walks away. This is how we are to fight. This is how you and I are to fight every single day with those words. It is written. This is what Scripture says. And this is what Paul was referring to in Ephesians 6. When he's talking about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. He is saying, this is what you're to do. Speak specifically when those lies come. See, we read the word of God in Ephesians 6. And we're like, oh, okay, it's just the word of God. And, and, and Paul is getting at something here, though. Because in scripture, there's a couple of different ver- uh, words that are translated the word of God. And the first one, and Paul doesn't use it here in Ephesians 6. But the first word that we see in Scripture, translated the Word of God, is logos, which is kind of the general message of Scripture. Paul in Acts, or and actually in Acts four, we see this word used when early followers of Jesus were being persecuted, and they all huddled together in a room and they pray. And it says, after they prayed, the room was shaken, and they went out and they spoke the Word of God with great boldness. What that is referring to. Is that they're speaking the message of the gospel, the message of God, the, the all of Scripture, The very general message. But also there's another word that we see that is translated the Word of God, and it's the word that Paul uses here in Ephesians 6. And it's this word, Rhema, which is a very specific word for a very specific moment. We see this in Scripture as well. When it says that the word of God came to John the Baptist in the wilderness. And said, This is what I want you to do. Or when the angel came to Mary and told her what was going to happen to her. So she treasured that word in her heart. It was a very specific word. This looks like for us when you're reading scripture and all of a sudden a verse pops off the page. And the Holy Spirit shows you something and it's like, Oh, this is exactly for me today. I had this years ago when I was in college and I was reading through the book of Romans. And kind of wrestling with some things in my life. And all of a sudden Romans 8, 38-39 popped off the page. And it says, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, the present or the future, nor any powers can separate us from the love of Christ. love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that was like a sword, like a spirit just hit my heart. I was like, God, your love is so amazing for me. This is the word that Paul's talking about in Ephesians 6. We battle with a very specific word at a specific moment. It's when you have a friend and you're like, you know what? I just feel that I need to share this verse with you. That is a very of word, a specific word for a specific moment. And this is what Jesus used in Matthew 4. The enemy came to him, tempted him. And over and over again, he said, it is written. It is written. He answered his attacks with a very specific word. And I wonder what would happen in our life if we got very specific. When the lies came. If we answered those lies with the truth found in God's word, but we answered them very specifically. If when we're beaten down and just kind of overwhelmed with life, we say, you know what, that might be the attack, that might be what I'm feeling, but it is written, I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Or when death and sickness comes along. When you're overwhelmed by just tragedy and just different things, you say, no, I might be overwhelmed, but it is written, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you who are with me. When we struggle with sin, maybe some of you in this room have just kind of the habitual sin patterns, and you're like, oh, I did this again. Yes, we need to repent and turn from that. But also, we have to remind ourselves, you know what, this is what I did, but it is written, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Or when the past tries to suck us back and we're reminded of things that we might have done way back when, we listen to those lies and we say, you know what? No, it is written. If anyone is in in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Or maybe you're here today and you're struggling in your marriage and questions and doubts come in. As those questions and doubts come in, you respond to them with, it is written. What God has joined together, let no one separate. See, we have to get specific. This is what the, the sword of the Spirit is, the word of the God. He's saying, get specific when the attacks come, bring a verse, bring truth to the enemy, and attack them with the truth. But this means that in order to do that, we have to spend time in the Word. We have to spend time getting to know the Word, being transformed. By the word, allowing the word to penetrate our hearts Because we can't fight specific scripture Unless we, or with specific scripture Unless we ourselves are in scripture on a daily basis David said this in Psalm 119 He said, I have stored up your word in my heart That I might not sin against you Your word is a lamp to my feet And a light to my path We fight with specific scripture. That's what Paul is calling us to do with this sword of the spirit, with the word of God. And so the question that we have to wrestle with, the question that we have to think about is, if this is our weapon, if the word is our weapon, what are we filling ourselves with on a regular basis? What are we allowing into our soul? What are we focusing on regularly? What are we meditating on? Just this week I came across a couple statistics, and I know statistics, you can find a statistic for anything. It said this, an average adult watches TV or videos online four to six hours a day. It said an average millennial is on their phone for four hours a day. Here's a spiritual exercise that I want you to engage in. Open up your phone. If you have an iPhone, you can go to settings. You can go to screen time and see how much you're on your phone. I did this just the other day. Last week, here's a confession. I'm confessing to the church. I was on my phone for six hours a day. You're like, (sighs) you heathen! Six hours a day. It was like an hour on Spotify listening to music. I'm like, okay, it's worship music. I can justify that. Uh, Another hour watching TV. Um, I watch TV on my phone uh, before I go to bed. I'm like, okay, you know, it's an hour TV. That's not bad. But here was the kicker. Last week, I spent an hour and 45 minutes a day. Playing retro bowl. <laughs> Does anybody know what retro bowl is? Yeah, raise your hand. Nice. Uh, yep. Yeah, I see the kids in the back. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's a video game, a football game. I was playing with Zane. I played uh, with Zane and Piper for a couple hours one day. But I was looking at that, and we laugh, and you know, whatever. It's, it's fun. But I'm like, we are on our devices. We are on our phones, and it's such can be such a distraction. To being filled with the very word of God. So that we can attack the enemy when he comes. When his his attacks come. The truth is. We need to fight the spiritual battle that we are in. With a spiritual weapon. And we have been given the sword of the spirit. The very word of God. And are we filling ourselves with the very word of God. On a regular basis. So that we can not just stand. But that we can stand strong. But the ultimate word. The ultimate sword of the spirit is the one who the word points to, the one who is the word, and it's Jesus. This became clear to me, the power that we have in the name of Jesus, and this is what I want to end up with today, is challenging each of us with our view and our understanding of the power of the name of Jesus. Years ago, years ago I was in uh, West Virginia. And I had taken a group of young people there for a mission trip. We uh, worked on some, uh, some building projects throughout the week, and then every night we'd get together and, and pray and sing some songs, and there was one young man that uh, came along. And uh, I'd gotten to know him, and, and this young man uh, I really liked, but was kind of a troubled uh, individual. And there was times that I would spend with him and he was absolutely lovely, But then also there was other times when he would just get really angry and lash out. There just was a lot going on in this young man's life, and he came on the trip, and and for most of the week, uh, there weren't any issues. There were little drama things that came up here and there, but for the most week, it was fine until one night, we got done with our, our work projects, and we had a time of worship, and we were sitting in this old cafeteria. We were staying in an old school, and we were in this cafeteria and worshiping together, and there was a... It was a, a nice time, and there was a guy up just on an acoustic guitar playing. And all of a sudden, some people came to me, and they said, Dave, you need to go talk to this young man. And he was sitting against the wall. And I sat next to him, and, and he just kept saying some things over and over again that were extremely dark, extremely troubling. He started hating on himself and saying some just very vulgar things about himself and saying some very horrible things about other people. And I just kept reminding him of truth over and over again. Then all of a sudden, he just bolted and he took off. And I'm like, "Oh, right. Here we go. I've got to follow him. And he went out of the room, went upstairs in this old school building. I finally found him, came next to him. And there he was sitting in this stairway. I sat next to him and I said, you know, hey, what's going on? And he continued with the same thing, same dark things over and over and over again. I'm like, you know this isn't true. And, and as verses came to mind, I would speak them into his life. It was those very specific words that we read about in Ephesians 6, just like I'm speaking these very specific verses into his life. He got angry and he took off again. And I'm like, oh, here we go again. And this is a hide and seek around this old school. He went downstairs into a kitchen, a kitchen like that over there. And there I'm talking with him. Again, those dark words, those dark phrases up over and over again. He starts talking about other people. And then, out of nowhere, he opens this drawer and he pulls out a dick butcher knife. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is what we're with." And I thought in that moment, I thought, you know what? He's going to do something to hurt himself. And I was thinking in my mind, like all the different scenarios, what could possibly happen? I'm like, okay, what do I do if he hurts himself? And then as I'm thinking about all of these different scenarios, he comes after me with this knife. And in that moment, gotta be honest, freaked out a little bit, but I did what I only knew I could do. And I looked at him and I said, in the name of Jesus, stop. And he froze. And I remember my reaction. It was not a spiritual reaction. (laughs) I said this, I'll quote myself, I'll say I said this, Holy crap. And it was in that moment. It was in that moment that I realized for the very first time. Because I had heard about it. But I realized for the very first time that there's power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the word. There's power when we quote scripture. But there is power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the one that the word points to. And I wonder what would happen if we in our lives spoke the name of Jesus over situations. Over situations that we came across, over sin in our life. And I know it's just like, it's not just this magic bullet just to say, boom, it just works. But there is power in the name of Jesus. And I think we often underestimate the power that we have in the name of Jesus. This is the word that we are to yield every single day, the weapon that we are to yield every single day. Jesus, we've been given every, every weapon that we need to demolish strongholds, to go through life. And what would happen if we actually used it? Now, I say that, I know you guys use it on a regular basis. You speak the name of Jesus over situations. But someone told me years ago, and they said this after working with someone in the occult. Someone in the occult said, if Christians only knew the power that they had in the name of Jesus. And I don't ever want us to underestimate the power that we've been blessed with in the name of Jesus. And so what I want to do as we wrap up, I want Tyler and the team to come up. And I don't know what this all looks like, but I know that there are different strongholds, there are different things that people have been wrestling with for years. I know there's there's stuff that we have prayed for, people that we have prayed for to be healed, different situations, and I would just love to, as we sing and as we worship, I would love for this just to be a time of worship, but also a time of warfare, where we pray, And speak the name of Jesus over situations. There are situations where people are finding themselves battling cancer. I don't want us to give up. I want us to keep fighting. To keep declaring the name of Jesus over those situations. I know there are relationships that are broken. I know there are people that are going through some tough time relationally. And I want us to speak and pray the name of Jesus over those situations. Over marriages. If your marriage is under attack, it shouldn't be surprising because the enemy wants to undo what God did. And so I want to speak the name of Jesus over those situations. I also know that there's some in here that are are wrestling with sin. Last week there was a wonderful word about repentance. And we continue to hold on to sin. Well, repentance is just letting it go and saying, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to go in a different direction. Maybe you need to gather some people together and say, you know what? I've been wrestling with this sin. And today is the day that it's done, and I want to speak the name of Jesus over this situation. And so again, I don't know what this looks like. We're going to stand together, we're going to worship, and there are going to be people that are willing to pray off on the sides. But I also want to give you permission, not that you need it, but I want you to give you permission to go and pray with one another. You guys know each other. You know the situations that you're going through. To speak and declare the name of Jesus over those situations. And to pray and to ask that God's kingdom would come in power. Because we, as believers, were to put on the full armor of God, but that's not just a defensive posture, to protect our heads and to protect our hearts. No, there's an offensive weapon that we've been given in the word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. The word found in the word, but the word ultimately found in Jesus. And so let's stand together and worship, and also let's pray with one another, and feel free to move and pray with each other as we
2: worship the entirely a, a, couple, a few words and phrases that just came to my mind, um, just from a song "Tremble." Uh, it says, "Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Your name is a light that will not be overcome." Um, so I do encourage us to to maybe gather with some people and to speak the name of Jesus and to say, "Your name is the light in this darkness." Um, and before we sing the song that, that I guess we prepared, I want us just to sing that together um, over our lives. And over those places of darkness. Um, And I I love that image and that example, that specific moment where you saw how the name of Jesus pierced through the darkness of that kid. Um, And I think we believe in that and we we hear that story. And I think we need to be bold in that together and be bold in that with one another as we do that. Um, So these words, we don't know the song, we just sing, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. I almost want the repetition of that to slowly um, build in us that we believe in that, that we believe in the power of his name, we believe in the power of his work and his authority that he has in our lives and the authority that he has in this world. Oops,
3: Jesus, Jesus, you make the dark
0: just like by themselves, I want us to bring you into these prayer times and then we're going to wrap up this way I want you to pray and speak the name of Jesus over your family over your marriages over your neighborhoods over your workplaces over situations in your life Uh, and I want you men to lead this. and I just want you to be bold and to do that over your families or if you're here by yourself just uh, to you know grab you and bring you close by and we're going to think that over uh, your life and your family but there is, we know this, there's an attack on um, families, there's an attack on marriages, there's an attack on truth. I just want us to take a posture, an offensive posture right now, and to speak the name of Jesus over situations. So go for it. I was gonna keep uh, playing, and uh, I want you to do that right there. If you have to go, it's fine. Nice so go it. Player, that your name is the name that is above every other name. And that at your name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And so, as we leave this place, we're walking in the power of the name of Jesus. And we're going to declare the name of Jesus over situations, over our family, over our lives, using your word. And so, I pray, God, that, that you would just rise up in us just a, a tremendous amount of faith. That we'd be people that walk not by sight, but by faith faith in you and you alone, Jesus. And we are praying and asking that you would, that you would work powerfully in our lives. That you would break strongholds, that you would break off chains. God, that, that, that we would walk in the freedom that you purchased for us on the cross. We love you we thank you for all that you bless us. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as we wrap up uh, this morning, uh, if you would ever wonder, want to know how to like uh, speak and, and pray just scripture and truth over uh, your life, over your situation, over your family, I would love to talk to you about that. Or Stanley would love to, to share that with you, just like, even how to, how to use like specific scriptures over your life uh, if you're wondering about that. But then also as we wrap up and we pick up chairs and different things, if the spirit leads you to pray for one another, uh, that is awesome be obedient to do that. And what happens after and before is just as important as what happens during. So go in the power of the presence of Jesus Christ. God bless.